It's Thursday morning, June 3rd. Welcome to Real Talk, and thanks for making time for us today, whether it's uh, the first thing you're doing this morning, whether it's a part of your mid-morning or afternoon routine, or whether you're catching us even a couple of days later. We appreciate you being here with us. Ryan Jesperson alongside Sarah Hoyles and Sam Brooks. We've got a great show coming up, including historian uh, Dr. Sean Carlton out of the University of Manitoba coming up in just a little bit. Dr. Jody Carrington later. I know everybody's going to be excited about that. Dr. Jody joining us in uh, about a half hour's time. And then we're going to check in with, uh, uh, well, we're going to check in with Jurgen Mart Shukat, who's an expert in fitness, not just fitness, but the age of fitness. What does the way that we work out tell us? about society, mindsets, the human condition today. It's going to be a great conversation, especially because the interview is going to be done. The interview will be conducted by a guy who who does not work out, believe it or not. And so it'll be an interesting conversation as we work to glean insight on what it is that makes people tick. What is it that, that makes people or defines this age of fitness? What is it that drives people? That's going to be coming up in about an hour from now. The show is presented by the team at Bitcoin Well. I ran into somebody yesterday on the street, somebody out and about, who said, so what's it actually, do you actually really talk to the team at Bitcoin Well? I said, yeah. So do you actually have crypto? Do you actually hold crypto? And I said, Yeah. And then they got this big smile on their face because I assume that they don't. They said, so like, how are you doing? And I said, what do you mean? And they said, well, quite the dip. And I went, yeah. And then, and then they said, so how are you doing? And I said, well, I talked to the team at Bitcoin. Well, and they helped me. They helped me ride out the journey, the highs and the lows, the strikes and the gutters. It's how we process it. It's how we make sense of it. And he went, oh, yeah. And I went, you know, you can find them right at the top of the sponsors page at ryanjesperson.com. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. All right, so I know a bunch of you have been chomping at the bit for a long time because you've been, you've been telling me on Twitter. You've been telling me on Twitter for the last 12 hours that you can't wait to talk about a photo. You can't wait to talk about a surveillance photo that was snapped at the Alberta legislature building uh, just the other day. We, we've, we've got to provide apologies as we get into this to our friends that join us uh, from other jurisdictions, from jurisdictions outside Alberta every day. We recognize that our content has been Alberta heavy for the last little while, but that's because Alberta's politicians... They just won't they won't give it up. They won't give us a break. They won't give us a rest. They won't they won't just kind of participate in normal, regular, everyday compliant rule, compliant behavior. And so we end up talking about Alberta a lot. And so the breakdown, which is this uh, this web series, they've got a podcast. They do a great job. They throw a, they throw a whole bunch of punches and uh, provide political commentary. They, they secured, they said this is from the DMs yesterday, and they pushed this photo out. Uh, for those of you that are listening to the podcast, you've probably already seen it. For those of you that are watching this on YouTube, here it is. They said from the DMs as of June 1st, indoor gatherings, or rather outdoor gatherings allowed if there's social distancing, no indoor component, and, and a maximum of, of two households. That's the goal. To be clear, Alberta's regulations encourage that a maximum of two households are represented at an outdoor dining table up to 10 people says the breakdown from their post yesterday, unless you're the UCP caucus on the roof of the sky palace. Uh, 
then it's scotch for everybody. And then they're referencing here. We, we get a closer look at the photo you see there on the far left. That's the premier's chief of staff. You'll see sitting next to him. That's Travis Taves, Alberta's finance minister. You've got Premier Jason Kenney sitting across the table, just just over that white tablecloth. The white tablecloth to me is what does it. You've got, of course, Health Minister Tyler Shandro, and then you've got Jason Nixon, Alberta's Minister of Environment and Parks. And, and at different points through the meal, um, and you've, you may have seen some other photos arise, there were a couple of other people at that table. Uh, tough to discern who they were. One of them, uh, somebody reached out to me as a woman in one of the other photos, and someone reached out and said, do you think that's Angela Pitt? That's got to be Angela Pitt. And I'm going, I don't know that Angela Pitt is invited to the Premier's private dining table right now. Keep in mind, she was one of those that signed that open letter, so I don't think it was her. But this is the photo, and it's it's got a lot of people upset. and And I'm and I'm looking forward right now. I mean, we're buckled in. We 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 sat down, our five point seatbelts all done up, and I've just opened up the live chat, so I'm here to see uh, what those of you are saying. I mean, Steli Steli speaks for a lot of us on our live chat, uh, but but I suspect that Steli's words might be music to the premier's ears when Steli says, "I don't even have." I don't even have the energy to be angry anymore. You know, some random guy says maybe they're all roommates. Miranda says, nice. I've been telling my kids that, that they, they can't. They can't be with their friends. Nice. Uh-huh. Lala Zaz says the people that make the rules shouldn't be looking for loopholes in the rules. And, and the watcher doing their job, the watcher keeping watch says, Jesperson, it's Irish whiskey, not scotch. That's true. It's a big bottle of Jameson's on the table. It's uh, Jameson's. There's a bottle of Jameson's. There's a couple bottles of red wine. And uh, just to make it just to seal it up with a bow, the narrative is is made better by the fact that, number one, it's on the it's on the patio of the Sky Palace. More on that in just a second. Number two, the white tablecloths. And number three, I don't actually care about the bottle of Jameson's or the wine. There's San Pellegrino on the table. And so in honor this morning here at Real Talk, we ourselves are enjoying the finest chilled carbonated natural spring water out of Italy. Just to, just just that 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 taste of just that taste of what it brings puts a little jump in your step. In all seriousness, you want to know the truth? I don't care. I honestly don't care about the story. I waited about 18 hours to get on Twitter and tell you all that. I don't care. I understand why people care, but you know what? The average person, you know, all of us here, all of us that gather here and can, some of you are aghast right now because you're expecting a big monologue and you're expecting me to go off and, and rip him a new one, the premier. You're expecting me probably to point out that, you know, they don't think the rules apply to them and that they're, they actually are the political elites. You know, I've been saying it for four years. Three years max, uh, th four years max, like th three years for sure. Is, is this news to anybody? Is this, is this news to anybody that that these guys don't play by the rules? These guys don't believe what they tell you. These guys think they're better and above anybody else. These guys are absolutely entitled that this party is no different than the parties that have come before it. Nothing new here, right? Jason Kenny doesn't act. I mean, we we believe if we all adhere to the rules, and if we don't let Grandma and Grandpa see the new baby, and if the fortieth birthday party doesn't happen, and if the wedding anniversary bash needs to wait another year, we're all doing it because we're all in this together, so we can all have the Calgary Stampede. And then you see that they're all gathering together, and yeah, I mean, 
Of course, obviously. The one, the one, uh, you know, I mean, Jess says, I'm here for Aloha Gate part two. And I saw political scientist Dwayne Bratt out of Calgary uh, saying the same thing yesterday, saying that this, this could be worse than Aloha Gate because this is the premier and the health minister, you know, sitting virtually side by side. I mean, take a look at the photo. Look at how close uh, Health Minister Tyler Shandro and look how close Premier Jason Kenney are sitting. They're not cohorts. Everybody knows they don't live together. Look at how close Jason Nixon and Tyler Shandro are sitting. That's your health minister right there, right? Look at how close they're sitting. Is this a surprise to anybody? I mean, now it's, 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 it's caught. I'd, I'd be curious to know who snapped the photo, by the way. <laughs> it's this like people are going, is this a drone? What building is this from? People are trying to figure it out. It's a photo and the photo speaks, you know, more than a thousand words in this case. It's it's sort of like a like kind of like a chef's kiss that it's happening on the patio. Let's call it the mezzanine. It's happening on the, the outdoor patio of the Sky Palace. I mean, the Sky Palace. It's not what it's actually called. But this is the one that Allison Redford wanted to build a premier's residence where they'd be able to do exactly what Premier Kenny is now doing. Right. Which is is entertain and host meetings. And there's construction and renovations going on at the Alberta legislature. And so, you know, that's exactly probably why Premier's been spending most of his time in the Sky Palace. And I think probably just the optics of the whole thing. I mean, the premier needs an office. I'm not going to be unreasonable. I'm not going to be ridiculous. Premier's going to need to meet with senior cabinet ministers. The photo says a lot. But the fact that it's at the Sky Palace, I chuckle. Am I outraged? You know, Keith writes in, he says, Jess, well, my hillbilly outdoor dining room, Keith's a restaurateur in central Alberta. My hillbilly outdoor dining room has no white linen, but I'm still aware that tables of four are the maximum allowed. Tawny says, of course, the make Alberta great again. People, the MAGA people are saying the pick was the photo was snapped by leftist union people. You shouldn't you shouldn't care who snapped the photo, right? I mean, if you know, it's getting now to the point of if you're defending these guys, it's just almost like 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 an indigenous leader said the other day about Jason Kenney's comments about renaming schools, sad and pathetic. So if you're going to try to defend this, I don't know how you're going to do it because you're embarrassing yourself now. But do I care about this more than anything else? Am I more angry about this than anything else? No, I've had sort of a sustained outrage for quite some time now. Things like this, I just go, yeah, well. Hey, Jespo, did you see the photo of of the premier and the finance minister and the health minister and the parks minister all gathered together, ignoring the rules, drinking wine and drinking Irish whiskey and white linen tablecloths? Like, yeah, like surprise to any is this is any of this a surprise to anybody? I mean, you, you can let me know if you actually care about this. I put it out on my uh, Twitter this morning, just a few minutes ago. I'm, I'm looking at it now for the first time every morning. At Ryan Jesperson, I let you know who's going to be on the show. To my surprise, I tweeted 12 minutes ago, do you care about Jason Kenney's Sky Palace Supper? We've got 243 votes already. 81% of you say it's a big deal. 19% of you say not a big deal. So four out of five say it's a big deal. You can let me know why. This might be a deal if you were in a like in my opinion, if you were in a circumstance where you had a, a political leader that had adhered to the rules, let's say followed the rules in the leadership race for the leadership of their own party to start. 
you know, a political party leader that wasn't under investigation by the RCMP for allegedly cheating in the leadership race of their party. I mean, this is even just before the election, right? I mean, it's just from the very beginning, it's been, you know, joke after joke after joke after joke. It's almost sort of a Trumpian track record where you realize that the next thing that comes up is going to make you forget about the last thing, right? So everybody's going to be all pissed off. that. And by the way, Jameson's is no, like for, for a guy, Jason Kenny's got a bit of a reputation as a bit of a drinker, especially lately. Uh, Jameson's, you can do so much better than Jameson's. I'm more disappointed in the choice of the bottle than anything else. I guess if you're Irish whiskey is one thing. I'm more of a, a Scotch guy, but I can make recommendations. I mean, if you're going to if you're going to openly laugh in the face of taxpayers, at least do it with a great single malt, like a great like, I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking of, well. I've got my own personal favorites. I'd hate to impose those on the premier, but. The white tablecloths and the like, who cares? People are going to get all worked up over a couple of bottles of wine. He's drinking wine on the taxpayer's dime. And this is like, I mean, there's far bigger problems. There's 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 far worse theft that's going on from Alberta's taxpayers. There, there are millions of dollars that are being funneled into the pockets of the friends of the people sitting around this table. I don't need to get distracted and down rabbit holes about two bottles of wine. Eyes on the prize. I'm going to be pissed off about the white tablecloths and the sky palace and the opulence and the 1% and the fact that Jason Kenny really is one of those Laurentian elites. I've joked for a few years now. I mean, I'll do it for charity. I'll put myself up against it. You put two Dodge Rams side by side, make his blue, make mine white, whatever color you want, and we'll have a tire changing contest for charity. Kenny can't change a tire. The guy doesn't know the first thing about pickup trucks, right? The whole thing's been a fraud. I mean, what do you honestly expect me to say about this? What are you expecting? What are you going to tell your friends about this? Honestly, it's par for the course. It's more of the same. Don't forget that maybe one of the reasons why the premiers are taking a load off and having a few drinks after a work day, that's the same day that he stepped up to the podium and defended Sir John A. Macdonald and, and went to bat for the architects of residential schools in Canada. Tyler Shandro's tie matches. That's how you that's how you can kind of fact check it. Shandro, Minister Shandro, the health minister, was at the podium that same day talking about Alberta's reopening and those types of things and his tie matches. The same tie he's wearing there on the patio is the same tie he was wearing at the podium. So we know that they're out there and I've seen some people, this is like people are treating it like the Zapruder film. You know, people are looking at this, trying to figure out what time of day the photo was taken and when were they drinking and this, you're, you're getting distracted. I'm sorry. I mean, and maybe you disagree with me and I'd love to hear. Maybe this is a huge deal and the people are going to be outraged about, you know, some guy's, Having charcuterie and wine after a long... I don't think so. More for me is the fact that they're, you know, they're, they're putting back drinks and having a chuckle outside after he's essentially disintegrated the Alberta government's relationship with indigenous communities and with First Nations. And we're going to be talking about that in just a second. So you can let me know what you think about this. I looked at the photo and I went, uh-huh. Like the people that have been banging the table for years now are just going to go, well, this is this is more than anything. This is not a revelation. This is reiterating what people have been saying forever. Right. Rules don't apply to these guys. And it's all bullshit. It's all bullshit. 
the tell us more about the the media elites tell us more about the political elites tell us more about the laurentian elites these guys i mean the white tablecloth I don't care about the wine. I don't care about the whiskey, the white tablecloth, the fact that it's on the Sky Palace patio. It just re, it's just let this serve as a reminder, my friends. Let it serve as a reminder. Let's talk about this release from the Confederacy of Treaty Six First Nations. This is no joke. Grand Chief Okima Vernon Watchmaker per a release yesterday, quote, appalled by the statements of Premier Kenny. This is on letterhead. This is not, he didn't say this to somebody in passing while they're out mowing their lawn. This is a release on letterhead from the Confederacy of Treaty Six First Nations. This is not a joke. Focusing in on the Premier's statements, Grand Chief Watchmaker said, quote, the Premier's diatribe was particularly insensitive. This is the Premier whining about cancel culture whining about people trying to cancel sir john a mcdonald the guy cares more about statues than living beings or maybe living you know people that were living maybe people that have been murdered cares more about statues diatribe was particularly insensitive especially on the heels of the mass grave discovery in Kamloops, species one day after a vigil was held at the alberta legislature to show honor respect and unity to the loss of innocent lives of first nation children just when we think we're experiencing acts of reconciliation the premier contradicts all the efforts toward an understanding and confirms that the treaty six chiefs made the right decision to dissolve the protocol agreement that was made between the Confederacy of Treaty Six First Nations and the government of Alberta. That's where our focus needs to be. Sure, we can talk about the Sky Palace Supper. Sure, we can talk about Irish whiskey and wine. There are way bigger problems right now. And I'm feeling particularly motivated. I'm grateful that Dr. Sean Carlson Carlton is joining us, Dr. Carlton, in just a quick second. Sam, if you could put this uh, phone number up on the screen, we want to remind those of you that these are tough conversations that we're having. And we know that these conversations are are reintroducing, we're stirring up trauma for, for many of our audience members and many people that may come across this podcast or watch this on YouTube. The National Indian Residential School Crisis Line, 1-866-925-4419. 1-866-925-4419. That's the National Indian Residential School Crisis Line. Dr. Sean Carlton's a professor, a historian, and a scholar of indigenous studies at the University of Manitoba. I'm especially grateful that you've agreed to join us this morning, doctor. Welcome to Real Talk. Thanks for having me, Ryan. This has been, uh, I don't know how to put it. I, I, I've, I found it over the past week or so. I've not had the words uh, to characterize how I'm feeling, how, how I sense this audience is feeling, what I see from Canadians, the discovery of these bodies outside this former residential school in Kamloops. I think probably uh, one of the most profound things we've heard is also one of the most simple, and that's from Indigenous uh, people that have been saying, this is no surprise to any of us. We've been talking about this for decades. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, as a non-Indigenous historian uh, of residential schooling um, that has a, a family member who uh, attended one of the schools in British Columbia, you know, I'll reiterate that, that um, you know, it's been a, a difficult week um, and there's been a lot of insensitive 
uh, comments made uh, by people like uh, Jason Kenney. Uh, but there's also been a lot of misinformation and inaccurate statements being um, uh, being put forward by people like the Premier uh, of Alberta. And it's not only insensitive, but it, it, it's disappointing, um, quite frankly. When it comes to, um, I mean, we can talk about the nation's response to this and that's one of the things we've been focusing on and we've also been endeavoring or beginning conversations on individual responses people are trying to sort out how this is making them feel people are trying to sort out what they believe to be appropriate or responsible moving forward here but why don't we talk about the history of what indigenous people have been talking about for decades, including the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, when hundreds and hundreds of people revisited their own trauma to testify in a meaningful way. What have indigenous people been saying about this for the past almost almost a century, to be honest? Yeah, I mean, that, that's an important comment to, to kind of highlight um, as I begin, Ryan, is that while many Canadians are confronting this history for the first time, or perhaps uh, in the first time, you know, uh, in 2015, when the Truth and Reconciliation Commission of Canada released their report, um, many of Indigenous parents and guardians uh, had been leveling the same kinds of critiques of the system uh, since its very beginning in the early 1880s. Um, some of the first trial schools that operated um, in, in what is today um, Alberta and, and Saskatchewan um, had a number of the uh, abuses and, and issues of neglect, uh, student death um, that we are only now confronting as, as a country collectively today. Uh, so a lot of these critiques and, and information uh, ha have been you know, publicly available, even in the reports of the Department of Indian Affairs who are managing these schools, all of the, the deaths and issues uh, were, were, you know, there in, in, in public light. Uh, it's only now that people are really confronting it meaningfully. This this is a matter of personal opinion. So uh, and I asked this yesterday openly. Why do you think it is that the discovery of these two, 215 bodies? <clears throat> I still just every time i talk about it, i'm still just it just hits I, I i'm experiencing something personally and i know other people are as well 215 children in kamloops but sean we've known for years i mean the number 4100 has been out there people have said uh, you know it's estimated 4100 children died in the you know the care of these residential schools why did 215 why has 215 resonated in a way that 4100 doesn't seem to have done yeah, it's an interesting point. I mean, the, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, um, you know, talked about numbers as high as 4,000, possibly as high as 6,000 children who died, um, you know, over the, the century of operation of these schools. And I, I think, it, you know, in the last few days, um, in talking with, with people, uh, I, I think these are children, you know, as young as three years old, um, that were taken away from their parents um, to supposedly be educated. Um, and end up dying in these in these institutions, um, and they're and they're children, right? And I, I think you can't um, you can't ignore mass graves. I think when the Truth and Reconciliation Commission report came out, there was a lot of information, uh, ninety four calls to action, six thousand pages of, of information. It was a lot, I think, for people to digest, particularly on a subject that many Canadians would, would prefer to not acknowledge and, and confront. Um, but 250 ch 215 children buried in, a, in an unmarked mass grave uh, is horrific. 
um, you know, it's, um, I think the tangible aspect of, of genocide, when, when genocide is talked about in the abstract, it can be hard to really understand. Um, but I think, you know, dead children, um, it, it buried in a mass grave, uh, I think has, has brought up a lot of emotions for, for many different people, um, who can't, you can't ignore that. And I think that that's what we've been reckoning with over the past week. The irrefutable evidence of that, of that genocide, the tangible evidence of that genocide. Irrefutable evidence. That's, that's, that's it, right? I mean, we had this conversation. As a matter of fact, I was talking a couple of days ago to Jagmeet Singh. And, and I said to him, I said, and honestly, I eye with Jagmeet Singh on everything. That's irrelevant in this case. I said to him, when, 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 it, the debate in my mind over whether or not this was genocide. I remember that. I remember hosting a radio, an AM talk radio show the morning that the Truth and Reconciliation Report came out. These recommendations, these calls to action. And I remember a big one was genocide. Was the prime minister going to use the word genocide? And everybody wondered, was it? And I said to Jagmeet the other day, quite frankly, in my mind, that debate is settled. I'm not I'm not willing to have that debate anymore. When you're killing kids, when you're murdering kids, sexually abusing, raping and murdering kids and burying them in unmarked graves on school grounds. I mean, to me, I'm not I'm not willing to have the conversation anymore. I'm not willing to have that debate anymore. And quite frankly, personally, this is my position. I'm going to quite harshly judge people that insist on debating that anymore. But people want to have confidence that there's strong, empathetic, competent leadership. And right now, there's big questions in Alberta. The premier's speechwriter who recently resigned, he retired, uh, Paul Bunner, you know, talking about this bogus genocide narrative. The author of Alberta's social studies curriculum, Chris Champion, via his Dorchester review, even just this past week trolling people online talking about the politics and the cashola of the truth and reconciliation commission premier jason kenny himself uh tweeting about how you know canada's first prime minister sir johnny mcdonald quote took positions on issues at the time that we now judge harshly you publicly pushed back on alberta's premier's characterization of that why was that take us into this right well i mean um Canada has a residential school denialism problem in the sense that for over 100 years, uh, officials uh, in the church and the government have always wanted to represent residential schooling as being a well-intentioned, benevolent, even humanitarian enterprise. And Indigenous parents and guardians have been pushing back against that narrative from the beginning. And you know, non-Indigenous people have also been push, pushing back on that. In 1907, uh, the Department of Indian Affairs um, own medical officer investigated schools in Western Canada um, and noted the high rates of uh, student uh, student death, poor nutrition, uh, poor sanitation that was leading to an exorbitant amount of student death in the schools and asked for immediate reform. Um, and Dr. Peter Bryce's report was subsequently ignored and the residential school system continued on for uh, until 1996. Um, and now that the school system is over and Canadians, you know, are, are really confronting this uh, history um, in a collective way for the first time, you see people like Paul Bunner, um, at Chris Champion, Jason Kenney, Aaron O'Toole, Senator Lynn Baick, um, and, and a number of different figures trying to change the narrative. They're trying to use residential school denialism, which is not the outright denial that the system existed, 
but that the evidence of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission is overblown, it's not balanced, it's being done for political reasons. You know, it's, it's sort of like climate change denialism, right? It's, it's, it's an attempt to try and shift the conversation away, uh, you know, from actually grappling with the truth of, of what's, what's going on and using that for political reasons, like Jason Kenney's comments, right? That, oh, if we're going to cancel Johnny McDonald, then we need to cancel all of these other people. Uh, you know, that's whataboutism, right? That's an attempt to distract uh, attention away from confronting the fact that Canadians um, have uh, celebrated uncritically the architects of that residential school system, be it Johnny McDonald or uh, in, in Alberta, uh, Sir Hector Louis Langevin has been a controversial figure who supported McDonald's um, setting up of the school and played a role in uh, consulting with a number of different um, church officials like Bishop Grandin, for example, who's also um, come under close scrutiny. Um, and all of this really is an, is an attempt to uh, protect a lot of conservative politicians who were involved in the beginning of the system, um, as well as to conflate commemoration and history. That, to me, as a historian, is the most insulting part of, of, of all of this, um, is that, you know, Jason Kenney basically doesn't understand how history works. He, he's conflating commemoration, that is, you know, the naming of statues or school names or the erection of statues. Um, you know, that, that, that's a commemoration. That's, that's not history. When we take down a statue uh, of Johnny McDonald, I don't stop teaching about him in my class. That's not, that's not how history works. We're just choosing to emphasize different people to look up to uh, in, 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 our, in public. And I think what many Canadians um, are, are understanding, and this is where I think people like Aaron O'Toole and, and, and Jason Kenny are out of step with where Canadian are, Canadians are at, is that most Canadians see nothing redeemable about individuals who supported a genocidal school system. It's taken a while for, for a Canadian, the Canadians to catch up to that, um, but I think that that's, that's sort of where we're at in this current moment. There's a groundswell that you can't ignore. I mean, the Calgary Board of Education stripping Langevin School of its name. It's gone back now. I think it's Riverside School, Riverbanks, Riverside School. Sarah, thanks. Uh, back to its original name, by the way. That's this what it was originally opened under before they renamed it to Langevin School and now back again. We've, we've got good word that um, you know, behind the scenes, different school boards across the province of Alberta, including Catholic school boards, are, are, are resolved uh, to changing the name of schools that bear the name of Bishop Grandin. I know that in St. Albert, the Grandin neighborhood, that's uh, up for talk. I ran into somebody yesterday that said, what about Oliver? What about the Oliver neighborhood in Edmonton named after Frank Oliver, who has its own who has his own tr- troubling history when it comes to relationships and, and, and quite frankly, public messaging by way of a publishing empire uh, aimed at, at, at uh, degrading indigenous people in Canada. You, you tweeted that Jason Kenney is, has been a key figure in residential school denialism. You say that he's. He's simply trying to protect conservative politicians. You called it sad and pathetic. You know what I thought was additionally sad and pathetic in all this is that the premier, everything that the premier's politics, everything's war, everything's wins and losses. You either gain or lose points. And he couldn't help himself from invoking, you know, he's talking about Sir Wilfrid Laurier. He's going, what about the liberals? You know, you're going to have to strip Laurier. What, what about Tommy Douglas? He says, Tommy Douglas talking about gay men is having mental. He just he can't help himself from being like, yeah, but the NDP, but yeah, but the liberals. It's like he can't. He's incapable. I mean, you, you, you watch him. I'm sorry. This is my personal opinion here and I can't help myself. 
you know, it's, it's, it's bullshit about like white tablecloths and Irish whiskey. It gets people talking and it just reminds me, it reminds me how unacceptable this premier is, how unacceptable it is that this person holds office in this province right now. This guy can't even make death announcements that are believable at news conferences through the pandemic. I mean, the guy just does not have empathy. It's not in his toolbox. It's not there. So how can somebody possibly expect a robot like a soul, a soldier robot like this guy to properly be able to process, let alone address what's needed right now? I mean, I'm, I'm actually you can tell I'm a proud Albertan and I am troubled because I know I don't suspect I know that the person that's leading this government is incapable of a proper response. What does a proper response look like to you? Not defending the architects of a genocidal school system when we're having a moment of reckoning. And, and I, I'm just, I'm not sure. Um, I'm, I'm not sure why Jason Kenney would be making statements like this. Um, you know, I know that he's trying to use this as a, a bit of a wedge issue to distract uh, from um, you know, lavish patio parties or his mishandling uh, of, uh, you know, a global pandemic. Um, but, you know, it, it's not only insensitive, um, you know, it's out of step with historical consensus. Uh, it is certainly um, out of step where, with where I think, uh, you know, a lot of Canadians are, um, are landing on some of these issues. And I think the, the time to uncritically celebrate the architects of of indigenous genocide in this country is over. Um, it's unfortunate that it's taken this long for people to understand, um, you know, the the issues. But I, I think, unfortunately, uh, for Jason Kenney, um, you know, this might play well with with a small segment of his base. Um, but I mean, even Aaron O'Toole, uh, who was caught on camera very recently uh, re regurgitating many of the residential school denialist talking points. Um, you know, he's sort of pivoted away from this, understanding that, um, you know, the, the way to grow political power is not to double down on residential school denialism. Sean, um, can you give us can you can you school us here? Can you can you give us like a checklist of residential school denial denialism talking points? What are they? The, the, the children's parents wanted them to be there. There were good intentions. They weren't all bad. Like what are some what are some of the ones that we should sniff out like dog shit on the bottom of our shoe? What should we be sniffing for? Yeah, th those are those are some some good ones that it was well intentioned uh, that people at the time, um, you know, that we can't judge uh, the system um, based on the morals of today. Um, you, you hear that quite a bit. You know, we didn't know that these schools were bad. Well, Indigenous parents in the 1880s and the very first schools were raising their concerns about it. Um, and, and even, as I said earlier, uh, non-Indigenous medical experts were calling um, uh, attention to the horrors of that, that system very early on. Um, so again, that's just sort of a, a whataboutism, denialist talking point to try and change the subject. Um, you know, I think these conversations are really difficult. And when people are confronted with feelings of responsibility or complicity in, um, and responsibility to these issues, um, you know, psychologists have argued, you know, that, that it's somewhat um, um, not surprising that people will reach for things that kind of absolve them uh, of those feelings or, or address those issues. 
And, and I think that in, instead of doing that, instead of engaging with these kinds of talk, talk, talking points, so, you know, residential, um, um, residential school survivors is a loaded term that, you know, we really need to balance the good and the bad. It's like, you know, I think there are some Indigenous uh, people who have talked about their positive experiences, but we need to understand those positive experiences on a personal level and operating within a genocidal school system. Whether you learn how to play the piano doesn't negate uh, the fact that, you know, you were taking away from your family, uh, you were forced to speak other language, that you had to endure a lot of these different issues. And I think that people who engage in denialism are doing so for various particular reasons. They're trying to misrepresent that history um, to absolve them uh, of, of any, you know, fe unsettled feelings and to, you know, give them a free pass to doing the hard work of trying to strengthen relations with Indigenous people in the present. Okay. And I hope that take this opportunity to not do that and to, to use this moment to actually do differently, act differently. We've got audience members that are also pointing out another one. Uh, oh, and, and most of them died of tuberculosis, which is another one that I think that it's, and, and, and also like, I, I see that, you know, Chris Champion or the Dorchester Review anyway has been pushing that one out. Ah, you know, most of them died of tuberculosis. Kind of like, and? And where did, where did they contract that? Tuberculosis? Where did they contract tuberculosis? Who was protecting them? And and also, what the fuck, man? Like, oh, we found two hundred kids dead outside of school. Oh, don't worry, it was just tuberculosis. Oh, fine. oh, good. I thought it was something else, but as long as it was just tuberculosis, like what? Yeah, you know, you know, Ryan. Just quickly, I know you need to move on to the next guest, but that in particular was was so repugnant, right? That CB Champion, who is helping Kenny draft the Alberta curriculum. Uh, outrageously, right, is trolling dead Indigenous children found in a mass grave, right, saying, oh, well, they died of tuberculosis. Yeah, they did so at a rate much higher than the population anywhere else because they were confined uh, in, in residential schools against their will. Like, um, you know, I think that this is um, a moment where that kind of public response is always inappropriate. But I think, you know, Kenny and Champion and others who engage in those talking points, uh, you know, we, we need to to uh, discredit and, and not give space uh, to that. And, you know, shame on the National Post for publishing Jason Kenny's comments uh, in this moment after on, you know, the weekend where they, you know, tweeted out empathy uh, for the Tukumloops, a Sequatmec First Nation and the people grappling with this shame on on them. This needs to stop. Well, I mean, yeah, but the National Post has been given a platform to Conrad Black to spew his racist bullshit for a long time. So I don't think we should be surprised. You're right. I do have to go because we're going to check in with somebody that's going to give us some 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 tools uh, like I you can probably I don't know. We've never spoken before, but I don't know if you, I can see your body language, the, what you're doing with your eyes. I mean, you can probably feel it with me. Like I see this this white tablecloth story, the Sky Palace Supper. And part of me is like, I, I just I'm just like, add it to the list, man. I've been on a slow burn uh, since uh, I've been on a slow burn for a long time with this guy and with this crew. And uh, the curriculum, I think, as a matter of fact, I'll make a prediction. My last one was correct when it came to Jason Kenny. Uh, my prediction on this one is the curriculum is what's going to run this guy out of the premier's office. But let me ask you this in closing. And I am already looking forward to our next conversation, Sean. Uh, Dr. Dr. Sean Carlton, a professor at the University of Manitoba, our guest. I read from this this announcement, this release. This is very significant uh, from the Confederacy of Treaty Six First Nations Grand Chief Vernon Watchmaker. Strong words for the premier says the the diatribe particularly insensitive. Just when we think we're experiencing acts of reconciliation, the premier contradicts all the efforts toward an understanding and confirms 
that the Treaty 6 chiefs made the right decision to dissolve the protocol agreement between the Confederacy of Treaty 6 First Nations and the government of Alberta. Uh, Strong words, big words, uh, significant. But what does it mean? Help us understand what this means. Well, I think when your treaty partners are saying you are not acting in good faith um, in any in any relationship, if the person or people you're in relationship with are are, are are calling you out, you know that's an opportunity to to sit, to listen, to re-engage, uh, and, and and figure out how you can do differently. Um, unfortunately, Jason Kenney has shown himself to be a politician um, who is not listening to experts. You know, whether it's historical experts or working with indigenous leaders, um, you know, he has a particular agenda that he wants to push through. Um, and I think the reality is that it is becoming increasingly unpopular, even amongst Albertans. I lived in, El- in Calgary from 2016 until just last year when I moved to, to Manitoba. Uh, and I can tell you that, um, you know, in, in the historical community, the things that Jason Kenney is trying to justify uh, using his, his misuse uh, and, and misrepresentation of history, um, you know, I, I'm glad that others are starting to to uh, become frustrated with with that. And I hope that we can focus on uh, the, the curriculum in Alberta, because honestly, that's the future, right? Uh, how children uh, and new generations of Albertans learn about residential schooling is going to change how this is, you know, Jason Kenney and the Sky Palace and, you know, people like me, you know, yeah. like we're, you know, we're not the future. You know, the future is how do how do the rising generations of Albertans learn about this history? And, and I'm hoping that Albertans will say people like Chris Champion and Jason Kenney should not be in charge of shaping how how people learn about these issues moving forward. Yeah, to say the least. Dr. Sean Carlton, uh, professor, University of Manitoba, historian and indigenous uh, indigenous studies scholar. You can follow him on Twitter at Sean Carlton. Thanks for this. I'm looking forward to having you back. Thanks, Ryan. You bet. Uh, Sean just said that. I mean, that's what he's talking about. Eyes on the prize. I mean, I I just checked in on our Twitter poll coming up on 700 votes. I mean, you're motivated this morning. You're motivated. Do you care about Jason Kenney's Sky Palace Supper? 83% say, yeah, it's a big deal. I only gave you two choices. It's either a big deal or it's not a big deal. Uh, 83%. Yeah, it's a big deal. 17% say not a big deal. I say eyes on the prize. Don't get too. I mean, I understand. I'm hearing from actually a lot of restaurateurs. One of you wrote in to say, I have a restaurant right across the street from the Alberta legislature. I wonder which one it is. Um, Said, I have a restaurant. You said the whole point was that I'm not allowed to do what they're doing. And they're the ones telling me I'm not allowed to do it. Fair enough. But this should not be an epiphany to anyone that these guys don't play by the rules, that these guys think that they're above everybody else, that these guys have no integrity. This is not new information. Eyes on the prize, curriculum, indigenous relations, environmental legacies, right? These are the things that matter. Supervised consumption sites, by the way, I'm going to throw in there because people are dying because of this government's policy. I am. I tried to open this morning. Chill. I have zero chill with this government. Dr. Jody Carrington, in just a moment, I wanted to remind you, this is a perfect time to remind you that tomorrow we'll wrap up our show with Trash Talk presented by our friends at Local Waste. If you've got something, (laughs) if you've got something you'd like to give off your chat, hey, friends, now's the time to send me an email to talk at ryanjesperson.com. May the universe bless Sarah Hoyles, who is the gatekeeper for all of these emails, these angry emails. Tag it Trash Talk and we'll consider it. For our weekly tradition, the team at Local Waste for more than 25 years has been getting independently owned small businesses out of bad contracts with big 
garbage service providers, waste management service providers. The team at Local Waste wants your business and they'll fight for it. You can check them out at localwaste.ca. Also, a big shout out to the team at Kubi Energy. We were telling you about these green incentives, these new green grants that you can Google. You can learn more about federal grants to make sustainable energy, not just not just a pipe dream in your home. You could have solar panels up by the end of the summer. You can check out kubienergy.ca for more details on how they're providing services, solar services, installation, advice, and otherwise for Western Canadians out of their offices in Edmonton and Kamloops, BC. Go give Jake and the team at Kubi Energy a call. You can find them online at kubienergy.ca. Also, a big shout out to the team at Park Power. I don't have to tell you that they're powering our Real Talk RJ hashtag. It's what we keep an eye on through the course of the show today. If you right now go to parkpower.ca and sign up for electrical internet or natural gas services maybe all three residential uh commercial doesn't matter they're going to knock 70 bucks off your first bill when you go to parkpower.ca use the promo code 2021 dash real talk 2021 dash real talk is 70 bucks off your first bill dr jody carrington is well quite frankly uh, a legend um, she's an audience favorite here on the show and, and, and a lot of people tune in. I mean, she makes herself available and she has like Facebook lives and all kinds of cool things. She's got a smile that warms the room. She's got a confidence that just infuses itself in a conversation that even that even though I've got this slow burn, I got this fire in my belly. I know that Dr. Jody is going to be able to sort it out for me and help me help me chill out and help me find some perspective. Or maybe are you just going to tell me to just keep feeling it? Yes, Bo! <laughs> Here's what we need today. We need all of you and that and all of that fucking energy because it is so raw. Okay. And it is so real and it is so time. It is time because you want to know what? Hmm. Our babies are watching. Yep. And we got to show them how to do it. And I am so grateful to be alive in this season because it is so easy in my position of privilege to be able to leave a legacy. And what it means is we amplify and we listen and then we talk. We listen, we amplify, and then we talk in that order and on repeat. Now, look at me, Jespo. Whoa, just a second before we step into this, because I want the best of you in this moment. Okay? I commit. Because now it's my show. I don't know if you remember this, but when, when we do this, it turns into my show because I'm practicing. You have the range for, when for we 30 go the minutes. Together. They're yours. <laughs> the, the, right. the wagon is yours. Oh my God. Okay. I want you and this province and our listeners to just do this great big deep fucking breath, like as big as you can do it in this moment. I need to see Ryan's face. Can you give me back to him? Thank you. Big, big, big. Okay, so right now, relax your jaw. Good. Drop the tongue from the roof of your mouth. Everybody who's listening, I need you to do that for me. Okay. And wiggle your toes. Mm-hmm. Now, that from this position is how we shift multiple generations of abuse, neglect, and trauma from that position. Because when I'm in a place of fight, fight, or freeze, I'm going to continue to do what's already been done. I need to have my clear head and my clear heart, and I need to say, let's fucking dance. 
from the, a position there. Do you understand the difference? I'm with you to learn to understand it. Like I like, but uh, let, let me say this because you because when you said relax your jaw, I felt that it was tense, and I did. And then you go take your tongue from the top of your roof of your mouth, and I go, yeah, there it was. It was pressed right up there. And and actually, when you said wiggle your toes, my toes are actually clenched. Like I'm actually feeling, yeah. So so you're reading my mail, Doc. So I'm with you there. Yeah. So, there's kind of a tension. So let me but tell you like more about palp- that. Yeah, yeah. There's a tension. Oh my goodness. And and I'm so grateful for that tension because we fucking need it right now. Let's just be clear. We have been as a community in this, you know, first world country that we're in right now in a heightened state of arousal for 15 months. Okay. So when you think about this in, this is a global pandemic. This isn't just, I mean, let's talk about multiple issues, but right now the underlying, one of the underlying factors is that this is a global pandemic. And for 15 months, we have all been in a heightened state of arousal. So I want you to imagine, I mean, as a dad, when you watch a kid in a temper tantrum for imagine in, you know, in context, you know, for four hours, that baby boy is in a temper tantrum. Where is his capacity for kindness, creativity, uh, innovation, empathy? He's exhausted and irritable and ready to throw punch any fucking buddy that walks in his path. You understand me? Don't talk mm-hmm. to me. I'm tired. I can't sleep. I can't. I'm exhausted. As a globe, we are in a heightened state of arousal for 15 months. We know this to be true because we watch numbers like domestic violence increasing. We watch divorce rates 30% higher this time right now than it was this time last year. Is that right? Okay. We watch child, I, I'm kind of making that number up. I read it somewhere. Don't ask me for the source. I feel like I could search it out. They're up. What we know, and it, it, they're up, right? So is uh, domestic violence irrefutably, as is child maltreatment numbers. So when we get into this place of a heightened state of arousal, everybody is chippy. And let's talk about this from a hockey perspective. You understand? Because when, this is how I understand it, small town biking, Alberta, home of the Sutters. You understand? I'm a, I'm a hockey girl. When I'm playing hockey and I step on on a Sunday night beer league, right? I'm just there not to, I'm, I'm just trying not to get fat. So I come in and I'm relaxed and I say, hey, we're playing for the standard, you know, the gold spray painted puck. That's all that's on the line here. You understand? And I come in and I'm waving and I'm doing my thing. Now somebody drops the puck. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a parent. I have a job. This is not a lot. Somebody drops the puck. And the other guy on the team from probably like, I don't know, like Clive, cross checks the shit out of my defenseman, drops him. What happens to me? I'm a previously reasonable, I'm going to make good decisions in my life. That happens. What happens is that I, I lose my mind. I'm like, I'm going to, I come back to the bench and I say to the fellas, whoo, it's getting chippy out there. Do you know what happens with chippiness? Do we stand on that bench and be like, okay, just a second. Something's going on with that guy. Let's figure this out so we can move forward and nobody gets hurt out there today. You know what happens? Hmm. Chippiness is contagious. And we say, what's his fucking number? Mm-hmm. And 30 minutes ago, I was a father, a mother, uh, I had a company, I was in my space of making good choices, and there I am going to, I'm going to fucking kill this guy, right? To what end? Now, there's a fine line between harnessing the emotion and making real meaningful, this is time for change, and we are fixing to do it. 
There is no question about that right now. We are in a heightened state of arousal for 15 months across the globe. This isn't like, we've got to stay sane and some of us are fighting the fires in Fort McMurray. Okay, we got it. Let's send the Red Cross to the tsunami. Like as a globe, everybody's in a heightened state of arousal. And we are stepping into a beautiful season where we're going to make huge systemic changes. And what I want us to think about is who, how can we support each other in this process to stay as regulated as possible? It's going to be a fine line to be able to actually move the needle, not just a bit, but to actually create change where I'm going to say, do you know, does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, and, and what you're talking about resonates. And I do agree with you that chippiness is contagious. And I do agree with you that everybody's tightly wound. I mean, we're, you know, we're talking politics today, you know, a little bit. There's this photo, as you know, the premier and people are ticked off and that I'm I'm more pissed off about his comments about Sir John A. McDonald. I'm more pissed off, quite frankly, just about how he's been governing since the beginning. I'm pissed off about how he got the job. I'm pissed off sure. about a bunch of things. And then he'll probably, he, you know, he would write it off because he'd find some way to make it about angry lefties and this, that and the other. But but I, I, I don't really care what he thinks. I don't care what the premier thinks. It's not all about the premier either. I mean, right now you've got a nation that's distraught. You've got we, we have indigenous people in Canada that are being forced right now to revisit their own trauma. We've got indigenous people, I would imagine, right now that are in some circumstances maybe grateful that Canadians are finally that non-indigenous Canadians are, are waking up um, to the reality of our residential schools. But I would imagine a whole bunch of them are also really, really disappointed and hurt and, and insulted uh, that nobody seemed to care when they stood in front of tribunals and commissions and shared their truth and. You know, so if I can ask you all these questions, you know, what do you tell these people that are trying? I mean, like, where do we begin? I mean, you know, one of the things that we as a team, mm-hmm. we're like, we need to reach out to Dr. Jody. We're, we're, we're covering this from a, from many different angles. I mean, we're going to be talking about fitness and and health and wellness a little bit later on in the show. And you might say, well, that's a bit of a weird segue. I don't think so. We're talking about wellness and we're talking about sorting out, you know, I mean, we're talking about how do we find balance and how do we people are people are feeling despair. I mean, people are appalled like people are digging deep. Doctor, you know, this with the words that they're using, people are exhausted. People are people don't even know which way is up right now. So where do we begin the conversation? I mean, people, people, including talk hosts, can't find the words right now. Yeah. Yeah. And you're too brilliant for that. We need you. We need those words right now. And here's how we get them. And it is taught to me. I learned this most from people, my mentors in the indigenous culture. They taught me this one lesson. When you are acknowledged, you will rise. Full stop. And they've been asking for, as part of the Truth and Reconciliation Act, as many things, land acknowledgement, simply as that. Yeah. So when I'm sitting here this morning, I'm coming to you from Treaty 7 land, which is the unceded territory of the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Siksika, the Kainai, the Pakani, the Tatsina First Nation, and the Stony Nakoda Nation, Métis Nation Region 3. It is my honor and my privilege to raise my babies here. And I am aware more than any other moment in my life how many sacrifices were made before I was lucky enough as a privileged white girl to raise my kids here. My only job is to spend the rest of my life acknowledging that. 
doing better, being better, talking to my kids about that. Because when you're acknowledged, you will rise. Let me give you an example of that. When somebody comes up to you on the street and says, I just got to tell you, I, I met your son yesterday. He's amazing, Ryan. I don't know what you guys are doing, but you're doing something right. I, that kid, he's going to do great things. What happens to you? Feel pretty good about it's, it. Feel yeah. pretty proud of him, right? And what happens... Of course you do. And well, first of all, if it's your kid, usually you'd kind of check. You're like, are you sure? Like, are you, are we getting right? Right. Like, cause it's really awful if somebody's like, Oh shit. Sorry. No. Oh, oh, it's not your kid. Oh fuck. Sorry about that. But now that I know, you know, what happens to you is you're like this, right? We rise. And what you look at, you're like, you look at me, you're like, Oh, I like your earrings. Like you guys want to come over. This is how affairs start in minor hockey. You understand? Like we, when we're acknowledged, we rock. Do you understand? It's that pulling in. Eh? And the indigenous peoples have said this for so We Listen, it's not an apology because you can't. How do you fucking apologize? Sorry. Sorry for the cultural genocide. We good? It's also not a one shot deal. We will acknowledge this. As often as we can, I will acknowledge my racist bias. I'll acknowledge we're growing up in this. And I mean, I have said this many times publicly. I am racist to the core of me. And it is the most thing that I am embarrassed about in my life. But I have often walked through, uh, drove through reserves as a kid. I have, I've been in places where I've talked in accents, where I have thought poorly, thought differently. Those are the thing that I am so embarrassed about in this moment, and I must acknowledge that if I want to address it. Because when you're acknowledged, you will rise. Now, when I understand this, and when I hear and I read and I understand and I listen to the people who have been for years screaming, this is not new information. We have known about this for years. And if you, when I sit and listen to some of the finest leaders in our indigenous communities, they are saying things like, finally, and we haven't even begun to scratch the surface. Hmm. This is seven generations of cultural genocide, which means 215 babies are just the beginning. And what does that mean for so many of us? First of all, our first priority is our indigenous peoples, the ones who are closest to, who can identify the most with, who were a part of it, because those people are still alive. Next for me in my regulation state is the people who have to come to terms with how we got here. Because as a result of that, how do we, again, there's that emotion, that emotional dysregulation, that peace that sort of comes into this place of things. How do we do our very best to walk each other home through this process? Because it's a quote, I mean, I think you and I have talked about this quote sometimes mm -hmm. that I keep over my shoulder by a dead guy named Ram Das. He said this, we are all just here walking each other home. And this is a season where we need to do that. We need to fight for the things that are right. We need to have these hard conversations. And this is what I love about you. This is what I love about this program. I mean, listening to Dr. Carlton speak, I was like, yeah. I, I mean, I want to be best friends with that guy. Yeah. Isn't, isn't he brilliant? Well, I find a new like, best friend that, every day on the show. But yeah, I mean, I you know what? Well, that's I, what's amazing about you, though. No, go on about what's amazing about me, Doc. Go ahead. Oh my God, there it is. In all when seriousness, uh, but you know what I wanted right? to say? What I wanted to say is that there's, there's like, and I, and I use the word groundswell to him because I feel it. And I, and I feel that, you know, like, you know, I was having this debate with somebody over text yesterday and she says to me, I think this is it. She says, I hope this is it. 
she's 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 uh, i mean what what words am i gonna use mortified appalled disgraced i mean like all the words she's feeling whatever every person that's watching us live and every person that downloads this later and ever you know your nation of followers doc and 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 the real talkers and what everybody's feeling is they they don't know which way is up but she said i i think i hope that these 215 babies uh that this is it that this is when some people will stop rolling their eyes at land acknowledgments at fundraisers, that this is when people will start understanding why it's important to actually make reconciliation meaningful, why we're renaming things, why we're talking like, I hope this is it. And I feel like it is. But we have fleeting attention spans, right? That's what I was saying earlier today. Don't get too angry. I mean, everybody should no one should be surprised about the premier and all his buddies hanging out, you know, in close proximity, breaking their own rules with white tablecloths in the Sky Palace. That's that you get angry all you want. Get more angry about what he said right before he sat down to drink that bottle of Jameson's. What he said about Sir John A. Macdonald and reconciliation and Canada's relationship with indigenous people. Get more angry about that. And I feel like there's there's this kind of groundswell right now. It's not just to do with this, uh-huh. though. I mean, you know, Lauren is watching. He says, I'm upset and confused how the premier's grassroots are defending his actions. Nancy says, I'm a hothead. Nancy says, I've been advocating for disabled kids through a pandemic. I have full on. She says, I feel like I've driven 100 miles an hour into a brick wall. She says, I am a chippy mama here for sure. Mm. That from Nancy. Right. Can I also be honest with you about something? I feel like, can I tell you why I think I'm doing a bad job hosting this right now? I feel like I'm doing a bad job hosting this because you're being generous and you and I have a great rapport, but we're talking about us again. And and the one thing that that I want to keep reminding myself is that this isn't about us. This is about indigenous. I'm going to start getting emotional. This is about. So, right, right. Do you know what I'm saying? It is about us. No, oh, but it's but yes. not. No, but, but, I, but I don't want I don't want to be talking about how do I cope with the discovery of 215 children? What about elders? Right. What about indigenous people? What about the children of residential school survivors right now? This is and, and many of them are staying quiet right now because they will not be called to the carpet to share their feelings about how this makes them feel. But this is where part of our focus needs to be. And it's really hard for a talk show to to I think. I mean, we seek to understand and we listen, but there's a lot of messaging that goes on with the talk show. And sometimes I feel like we need to shut up. Uh, Here's the issue. And I think that, so you're right. We need to shut up. We need to learn because we're not listening. There's two phases in that though. and, And here's what concerns me oftentimes about our fellow white people is that we listen and then we don't speak because we're scared to get it wrong. And that's oppressive in and of itself, right? And we have to be brave enough to to wonder, not to ask for the answers, not to teach me what I don't know. That's our job to do our research and to learn about it. And to you have access to Google just as good as everybody else. Figure there is tons of resources and amazing people who have written and talked about find them, learn, and then come back and say things like we're going to say today. Holy fuck. I have dropped the ball. I've perpetuated this. I had, I am going to do better yesterday. I'm going to speak to my children. I'm going to raise voices. I'm going to amplify. And please always, if I get it wrong, let's go. You tell me, how do we be open to that? And so when I say it's got to be about the holding space, the acknowledging, and then we act because often this is not 
anybody's job in a BIPOC or marginalized community to be able to fix the issues. It's the people who are on the outside saying, let me take it from here and make this right again and again and again. And there's not, there, there's no end game to this, right? This is a lifelong commitment to being able to say, we will continue to acknowledge. And this is the problem, right? With things is we, we just want it to be good. Are we good? We've uh, apologized. We've done these things. We've renamed these schools and we've done that. Are we good? No. You get married. If you acknowledge your love for somebody on one day, right? There's a big fucking deal. There's a ceremony and there's a ring and oh my Jesus, everybody looks fantastic. What if you acknowledge your love for each other? You say, I love you. I love you too. Is that good? What about a couple of days later? Somebody's, she says to you, he says to you, Hey, do you still love me? And you're like, Holy fuck. How many times do we have to do this? Yeah. Oh my God. Are we here again? An acknowledgement is never a one-shot deal. In fact, as many times as you can, bring that into your soul, in your conversations at the kitchen table, in the conversations at, at the table. This is not the responsibility of one guy to change this. No premier, no president, no prime minister is gonna be able to single-handedly operate this and shift this. You know who it's up to? You and me. Mm -hmm. And I am fucking ready to dance. So I'm gonna get it wrong. I have so much to learn and I am ready to learn it I'm ready to speak it. I'm ready to get schooled on it. Tell me, tell me what I'm doing wrong. Because in my white supremacy, I have, I am full of assumptions. I am full of biases because of how I was raised, where I was, small town, Alberta. You understand? I didn't see a person of color until grade three. And the only thing I knew about indigenous communities is that don't slow down because they're not healthy. They're scary. Mm. That's in my bones. I said, I say this quite often, orange shirt day. I put an orange shirt on my kid two years ago because I didn't, I mean, I didn't know why. Let's put an orange shirt on the kid. I'm a 45 year old white girl with a PhD. What's the excuse? Ignorance. And so how do we get better at that? We listen, we listen, we listen, and then we speak. We listen, we listen, we listen. And I can speak best from a place where I'm regulated and I'm gonna do the next best right kind thing. And I'm gonna create a group of people who will cast a stone, who will continue to do this work one sweet step at a time. And when I use my energy worrying about who's making, I mean, I, we, we all have a lot of fucking opinions about obviously when things are completely offside. I'm much more interested today in paying attention to the people whose voices I can amplify, listening, learning, sitting at the feet of people. I get so honored when I get to speak um, now in uh, with indigenous communities who teach me so much every single time. It, I, I feel embarrassed that I'm there as a keynote or to, to talk about something. I just say, oh my gosh, when somebody responds to me and they say, oh, my mother was, or I'm so happy to be here. This feels like a safe place. Whew, no higher honor no higher higher honor and that is the only thing my kids are watching your kids are watching and that's what's going to happen the, the next generation of indigenous peoples uh i hope never ever ever have to feel what's happening in the moment this moment in this country and on this globe dr jody carrington you can find her you have to follow her on instagram twitter you, she does her facebook lives you can you can go like her page uh every time you're here uh, you push us to, to to better ourselves and to listen, and I, and I love that to walk each other home. Um, Dr. Jody's book, Kids These Days, uh, you can find it anywhere you find great books, and of course you can look her up online. Thank you so much, Doc, for making time for us today. Thank you for your candor. Thank you for bringing it every single time. We appreciate it very much. 
Brian Jesperson, I love you. You're changing the world. Mm. Love Keep you too, Doc. Thanks. Keep that oh, fire, my friend. Keep the fire as if as if that's an as if that's a choice that I make. As if the fire I mean, the fire is burned. I know the fire burns in the belly of everybody that joins us every single morning. I know it. I feel it. Shalane says, you know, this all this talk reminds me of that firefighter's letter that Ryan read the other day. You remember that letter? <sighs> Emma just says the whole show today says just wow i just it feel is this is one of the shows that's, that's just real nick says her book's brilliant terry says she's live every morning at 7 30 brenda says her eyes are leaking it's okay i feel t- today feels like it i mean th- today i told you guys i did i don't think i told you that i don't think i told you the real truth about my sunday i told you a little bit about about me walking through that cemetery i didn't tell you the real truth i mean the real truth is that i was weeping I was weeping behind big old sunglasses in this cemetery by myself. I just feel, and I don't even know. I mean, I know why. I almost feel like it goes without saying why, but there's more to it. There was layers and layers and layers. And I just so appreciate that we can gather here every single day. And we're going to talk about, I mean, we're going to talk about something positive in just a second. Sorry, sorry to throw that into the mix a little bit. Uh, We're going to talk about wellness. We want you to be well. We want you to be healthy. We want to find ways that we can be healthy and express ourselves in healthy fashion and better understand the world around us. That's why we gather here. But I also appreciate, I know every single day when I show up, not just the people in this studio with me, not just Sarah and, and Sam and not just our team behind the scenes as well, but you show up every day ready for this. You expect it of this show. You don't, you don't, you know, stitch real talk onto snapback ball caps available in our merch store, ryanjesperson.com right now. You don't embroider real talk and then show up with some half-assed version of it, do you? It's not how it goes. Uh, In just a second, we're going to be talking about the so-called age of fitness. We're also going to leave some time to get to the emails that you've been sending us, including emails that are coming in during the show while we're live. Sarah's keeping an eye on the inbox talk at ryanjesperson.com is where you can find us. I want to remind you that the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park, the Dairy Queens in Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, Westmount, Y Gardens and Baseline Road. want to thank you for shattering all peanut butter parfait sales records. They say that the response has been overwhelming from real talkers who have been flooding these Dairy Queens with orders for these $1.99 peanut butter parfaits. They're typically like about six bucks. Right now, they're two for four twenty. If you mention Real Talk or drop my name, Jespo, at the drive through window, this, of course, uh, our partnership with Dairy Queen, uh, every single month, they're going to give you an offer exclusive to Real Talkers that'll knock your socks off right through till the end of this weekend. They're extending the peanut butter parfait deal, $1.99 at the Dairy Queen's of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. The team at Friesen Brothers wants us to remind you that they are absolutely thrilled to be a big part of now 16 Alberta communities. Jespo, no, it's fit. No, no, 16 out of nowhere. There's the Friesen Brothers in Sundry, Alberta. Congratulations, Sundry. This was a quick turnaround. They got their hands. They acquired ownership of a grocery store literally overnight, rebranded it. And over the course of these next few days, they're loading it up. They're 
stocking it up with all of the Friesen Brothers' favorites, like their famous sourdough bread, those cinnamon buns I can't stop talking about. You know, Friesen Brothers has like 100,000 items in the store. I don't know what it is with the cinnamon buns. I just can't stop talking about them. Sarah and Sam have both tried them. Uh, you can understand why I can't stop talking about the cinnamon buns. There's something special, but there's more to Friesen Brothers than that. 65 years, Alberta grown and Alberta owned. Also, a big shout out to the team at Westworld Computers. Their sales team has been at it for more than 40 years, making the Apple lineup available to everybody, but so is the service team. It means that they've fixed absolutely everything that Apple's ever released. And so they know the machines well. Whether it's an Apple Watch, an iPhone, a, maybe it's your iPad or your MacBook that needs service, they can take a look at it. And, and if it is time for a new one, their team's happy to transfer all your data over to your new computer, your new phone, whatever it is, free of charge. It's all part of that family-owned service at Westworld Computers. You can find them online. They'll ship anywhere via westworld.ca. I do not apologize to Thomas who says, Jespo, you're bad for my work productivity. Thomas says, every time I, I turn real talk on, he says, you grab my full attention, my work suffers. But then he says, and I love you for it, man. So keep up the good work. Thomas, I love you too. And I appreciate you tuning in. Appreciate everybody that, that shows up here every single day. Let's take a break for a second from, from I'm not going to say from the real stuff because this is about to get real too when we talk about health and wellness but 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 let's press pause for about 15 minutes let's press pause on our fury <laughs> let's pre let's press pause on on our on our focused commentary and we're going to get back to your emails in just a little bit but this is something we want to take a look at and, and we're very grateful that the author of age of fitness has agreed to join us he's zooming he's zooming in to real talk this morning from germany and, and, and Jürgen Marchukat, a historian, a professor of history at the University of Erfurt in Germany, our guest this morning. Thank you so much for, for joining us. I suppose I should wish you a good evening. So a good evening to you, Professor, and welcome to the show. Hey, Ryan. Thank you for having me on your show. It's great to be here. We've been yes, talking. It's almost evening. Yes, it is. Well, we're, we're very grateful that you're, you've made time for us at, at the at the end of your day before you find your own recreation, your own relaxation. We've we've just participated in, in, in a pretty high octane conversation about mental health. And we want to talk about physical health and physical wellness. And as a historian, you've taken I mean, you've literally written the book on the age of fitness what prompted this with you? What prompted this dive into how human beings recreate, how they exercise, and, and what it means to us personally? Well, you know, I mean, it's all over the place. Um, it's um, if you get up in the morning and this morning I, you know, I put on my fitness sweater. It's um, we are wearing this stuff. And then I walk to the bakery and I see a, a, quite a number of my neighbors going out for a run. And then on the way to the bakery, I pass a gym um, and I see people exercising in these cathedrals of our modern age, uh, very light, you know, many glass windows uh, to see and to be seen. Um, and, you know, then I walk into the bakery and I can buy fitness whole grain bread and um, all sorts of stuff that is supposed to make me healthy. So I think, you know, if we if we live with open eyes, we see that fitness is all over the place. And um, as a historian, um, I was interested where this comes from. And um, that's how I started my research on fitness. Where do you, how far do you go back? I mean, we know, I think, you know, 
mm-hmm. whether or not the Greeks invented the Olympics, at least they hosted the first ones. We know that there was there was, I would imagine, versions of competitive sport in nearly every culture uh, for millennia. So how far back did you go? Um, I have, let's say, two different time periods. Um, I, uh, my, my claim is that we live in the age of fitness, and that's the recent half century, like the 1970s to the 2020s to today. Um, but sometimes I, I go back to the 18th century, to the age of enlightenment, when this idea of the free individual, which... Um, sort of you know has the right and the liberty to pursue happiness and strive for wealth and success was uh, invented i go to the 19th century when darwinism became pretty important and the idea of uh, competition and the survival of the fittest which is really important for this concept of fitness and this sort of i think climaxes in the recent half century and um, and that's the major time period i look at this I know this is going to catch our audience's attention because I, th- this is the first time when we were reading up uh, and preparing for this interview. I've never had a conversation before with anybody that connects fitness and neoliberalism. How do the two intertwine? How does this make sense? Um, OK, in the 1970s and with neoliberalism, there's a really strong focus on the market and on um, competition as, let's call it, the best organizing principles for um, societies. And um, this requires that uh, human actors themselves, they get ready to uh, compete and uh, succeed uh, on, on markets. And, and that demands what, what we call a certain type of of subjectivity and uh, and this is an enterprising self some someone who's constantly working on oneself who who you know improves one's personality and one's body and uh, and you might say that the body in the age of neoliberalism is um something like our bio share it has to be lean fast flexible uh, healthy um, um, to succeed, and and that's a really normative ideal. And I'm I'm also very much interested in these uh, in the mechanisms of um, of power and uh, and how this includes people who can participate at society to a greater extent, but also um, to the creation of people who um, uh, are more or less marginalized um, um, because of their body shape. So there's a lot of stigma um, uh, here. Can, is is that something i mean it, it's been interesting i i understand it's such a surface level uh so I, I i would need your your insight here but my understanding is that even the way that we have perceived uh body types for example somebody somebody that for example might qualify as 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 obese or somebody that might qualify as as malnourished or underweight uh, may have been perceived different throughout history. Uh, you know, one, one sort of classic example, maybe a lazy example, maybe it's a poor example. I don't know, but 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 back in the day when obesity to a certain degree would have been an indicator of wealth, for example, yes. as opposed to now, where people will, would oftentimes, I would imagine, find themselves subject to discrimination uh, based on certain yes. body types. I would imagine you have some insight there. 
Yes, and that's exactly the point. Take, for an example, the successful businessman. Um, half a century ago, the successful businessman um, had a big belly, um, was pouring a drink and uh, smoking a big cigar. And then if if we you know go to the 1980s and, for instance, watch movies of the 1980s, read books about the 1980s, um, and the, the prototype of the successful businessman changes. It's more the, the lean guy who is on his treadmill while he's at the same time um, uh, reading the um, um, the um, uh, um, Wall Street courses. Um, um, so that's the ideal type of the businessman in the 1980s. And then in the same time period, um, there's a, a class stigma attached to people with bigger bodies. And uh, so this is a major shift and a major transformation. And uh, stigma researchers and I had the um, a pleasure and honor to uh, work with a number of sociologists and stigma researchers. They clearly tell us that um, 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 uh, fat people are discriminated against uh, from school age on and on the job market and so on and so forth. Is it is it vanity that drives all of this? Well, uh, uh, vanity is, uh, I'm sure, is one point, and I mean a, a pretty important thing today is social media. Just go to Instagram, and Instagram is obsessed with images of uh, well-toned bodies, people exercising, getting themselves in shape. Um, and uh, so vanity is an important thing. Um, I, I think the desire for recognition, acknowledgement um, uh, and success is um, another very important um, um, issue. So and this all together makes um, this whole um, fitness ideal highly normative. Where do you see in the age of fitness? Where do you see it going? Like Jurgen, it's very it's it's interesting to hear you describe your day, and you know you throw on your leisure wear, you head out, you go for a walk, which in itself obviously is 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 a method of fitness or or, or an exercise approach, um, you know, or or just the way you get around. Uh, but you see people in gyms, you see people exercising, you see people participating in sport. Where I mean, if we are in the age of fitness, where does humanity go from here? You know, I'm a historian, so I'm trained to look backwards and not forwards. Sure. But, <laughs> but I'll, um, 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 I'll do my best. And uh, I mean, um, we, we, we have been living through a year of a pandemic, uh, the recent year, one and a half years. And I think the pandemic was pretty exciting when you're studying fitness. Um, and because on, on the one hand, people were, so to speak, um, doomed to become couch potatoes in the pandemic at the same time you see the obsession with fitness more and more people running on the streets because gyms had to close down and um, also uh, the creative energy of many gym owners they created outdoor uh, uh, fitness training spaces and so on and so forth so you could clearly see in the pandemic that people uh, wanted to exercise at the same time I think um, we can also tell that those countries and societies maybe if we are approaching the end of the pandemic um, which got best through the pandemic are those who still emphasize a certain level of solidarity and not only individuality and competition. And maybe, you know, maybe we are at uh, the end of the age of fitness and are moving into a new age of solidarity and cooperation.
Fascinating stuff. I'm so grateful that you took the time to talk to us today. Congratulations on the book. I should note for our audience that it's out just this year, uh, just in January of this year, The Age of Fitness, How the Body Came to Symbolize Success and Achievement. Uh, Jurgen Marchukat, uh joining us live from Germany this morning or this evening, depending on your perspective. It's yeah. been a real pleasure. Thanks for being here. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. You bet. Fascinating stuff. Sarah Hoyles, you caught my attention when you said you said we've booked him. We've got the guy that can tie in fitness and neoliberalism. And I went, OK, what? What? <laughs> so right, though. Hey, isn't it bang on describing like a sign of success? And he didn't you don't have to go back 150 years or you don't have to go, you know, to 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 a culture halfway around the world to say, you know, this, the, you know, this tribe in New Guinea had this, you know, tradition. He's absolutely right. I mean. And even the double standard with gender, hmm. right? You think, uh, you know, the, the big fat cat, like like fat cat is is used in, in somewhat of a degrading way, but also it, it's like an underhanded compliment, isn't it? Like, look at that fat cat, right? And it's and and but like the big belly, the sort of like the, the belching, like the sign of opulence. It's what it's what editorial cartoonists often use typically for politicians right the cigar and the, the the wake of destruction and the and and he said pouring the drink i mean bang on right being able to you know afford afford that luxury afford yeah. that and now it's like oh because we're in a in a world where you know we have so much at our disposal we can order something and it will be on our doorstep the next day it's about now it's about you know what can i live without and what like Look at how hard I'm working on myself. Um, but I really appreciated that point that maybe we're at the end. And that actually gives me hope that maybe we're at the end of the age of fitness. And we're seeing, as he pointed out, with the pandemic, the, the areas, the regions that have been the most successful in containing and, and, key, and addressing the pandemic have been the ones that aren't looking at themselves and aren't all about me, me, me. But they're actually about community and thinking about the wellness of everyone. Hmm. And that to me was like, oh, I mean, I, I try not to concentrate on what's happening in my neighborhood, <laughs> in my province um, in regards to that. But maybe bigger picture. That gives me a bit of hope. Yeah. And then I also find that, you know, it's it's. Um you know, people kind of uh, pile on like with the subtle, you know, people say, well, you just, you know, all you have to do to look at Instagram where it's, you know, it's the church of the chiseled bodies, mm. this and the other. And also I say on the flip side, good for you. If that's your thing, good for you. I mean, there's there's friends of mine that are I mean, they, they look like they look like Greek gods and good for them. They've worked for it. And that's their that's their thing. That's not my thing. You know, um, you know, we all take our shirts off when we're fishing on our summer trips. You know, I'm cut like a bag of milk, as one of my buddies let me know. Um, but guess who has the most fun? <laughs> also, this guy. Right. These are choices. I'm not advocating for unhealthy lifestyles. I think that that's a very subjective term, you know, health or, or unhealthy lifestyles. Um, you know, I mean, I, I also, you know, more power to people that post their exercises and their workouts on social media. A lot of people, that's how they find accountability. That's how they celebrate their success. They're proud of themselves. For a lot of people, there's been transformations. And for those of you that don't give a rip about any of this, good for you, too. But that I think that's the exact point is yeah. the idea that it's like the body is the thing the thing that we have control over and so we will we will manipulate it and do what we want to 
with it. Mm. <laughs> I mean, it is us as well. I don't mean to like objectify the body, but I mean, if someone wants to, is committed in doing that and wanting to have that ripped, toned, washboard stomach or not, dad bod, heck yeah, um, then so be it. But it's, it's that individualism. It's that ability, the independence, the freedom mm. to do what you want with your body. I mean, it's like masks, you know? Don't tell people what to do. This is a free society. So I get to do with my body what I want. Do you think you're going to wear a mask after mask regulations are lifted? Do you think, do you see yourself wearing masks or maybe in certain circumstances? Hmm. Maybe if you feel like you have the sniffles, like, do you think if I have the sniffles, I think I like, I hope that I do. (laughs) Do you think, I mean, do you think you'll still have masks in regular rotation in three years? I don't know if it like they'll be on my, um, my rear view mirror like they are right now. I, but I don't think I'm going to be turfing them. Like, I don't think I'll be throwing them out. Sam, you think, you think three years from now? You're, uh, I, I, I want to sort of like note for the two of you, although I know you're both going to say, well, well, obviously, but I would say the two of you are pretty, you're diligent with your masks. Um, and, and I've noted that, I mean, like <laughs> Sam, you know, it's going to be bad for the microphone, so don't do it. I know you want to be funny and talk with your mask on, but, but <laughs> do you think three years from now you're going to be wearing a mask? I, I, I mean, I, I, in Asian cultures, if you get the sniffles, you put a mask on and that's just been normal for decades. Yeah. And I'm hoping that we over on this side of the pond adopt that because I actually think that that's it's just good practice. It's good practice to not be breathing on people. Um, You know, part of me in the back of my head was just like, oh, I bought all these masks. Now I've got like a really good collection of shop masks at the very least if I need them. But I I'm with Sarah. I'm hoping that it becomes culturally normal. I I hope the other thing that I I, think it's already culturally normal. That's uh, the point. Culturally normal beyond pandemic world. Yeah. Like I don't I don't I can't see anyone like if I'm in a. You know, a big box store. If I'm at Friesen Brothers, one of their 16 locations across Alberta, and I see somebody three years from now wearing a mask, I will not look twice. Uh, wouldn't even wouldn't even resonate. As a matter of fact, I mean, I, I snapped a photo the other day. We went to a there's a farmer's market kind of near our house and. You know, bless everybody that's been doing everything they can to try to keep afloat. And I understand that for some people, there's some anxiety as there are returns to some form of normal. I need to find a better word than that. But the post pandemic recovery and all these types of things. And I, and I looked and I just I took a photo on my phone. There's nothing spectacular about the photo. It's just a, a wide shot, a fisheye lens shot of the farmer's market. But what struck me was that in five years, I'm going to look back on this and Every single person's wearing a mask. Like you look back to the photos of 1918 or 1919, Spanish flu, things like that, and it, it's it's they're they're time stamped by the mask, right? And and you see like what masks looked like a hundred years ago and how everybody was wearing them and, and all these types of things. And I just it, we're we're gonna look back and it's this period in our history where you know there's there's uh, I don't want to say the number. I don't know how many people are at the farmers market. They were all distanced. Everyone was compliant, et cetera, et cetera. But like every single person there wearing a mask, it's quite as I'm still not totally. I mean, I am used to it. And I'm also I still go, wow, like if you, if you look around, like everyone's wearing them. It's it's quite a thing. Absolutely. And I'm I'm thankful for that. I think that, that that's um, that's people thinking about them, their own bodies as well as um, everyone else and being considerate. Um but I would say that the, that that normalcy of, of wearing the mask is, you know, here. But to Sam's point, like in Asia, um, people will wear masks when they're sick. And ha- I have not had the flu, like just the common flu. I haven't had it this year. And why is that? Because 
I'm wearing masks. Other people are wearing yeah. masks and we're not transferring that. So I really hope that that continues on. But I mean, speaking of photos, um, I can't like watching movies, watching shows where everyone's really close together. Yeah. It's, it's almost it's startling to me like, oh, whoa, 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 you can't be that close. Or a friend of mine mm-hmm. posted um, a photo of a couple of years ago dancing at a at a bar and it was just like, oh, gross. Think of like all the all mm. the sweat, all the like breathing and the like. And I'm just like, I don't know if I can go back to that. Like, I don't know if I want to go back to shaking hands. Like, can I just not? Shake a complete hands? stranger came up to me the other day and hugged me. And I was like, it was <laughs> it was jarring. It was jar. I was I was like, oh, e, oh, like it was a super awkward. I was kind of like, oh, and then it was like it was like me, like the, the the junior high dance with like the arms, you know what I mean? Like with the arms way out here, you Make know, space for Jesus. If anybody has Mormon friends, if you ever went to the Mormon dance, you know exactly what I'm talking about with with all the bishops like looking over, especially if you weren't Mormon. Right. Because then you, you had to like do interviews to be allowed to go to the dance and then they were all kind of like what's this guy doing here this This guy's gonna try to date this guy's gonna try to date in the church i know what this guy's gonna do but the mormon dance so i I was kind of like whoa as we're kind of hugging you know grateful for the love grateful for the support of real talk wasn't quite ready for the hug yet but it but it was kind of funny because i had this visceral like i was like whoa you know kind of a thing where you know prior to that wouldn't have been the case Really appreciate the comments uh, following our conversation with uh, with Jurgen uh, Marchukat. Yulian uh, says, "Oh, marginalized because of body shape. Oh, look, my life. Right? People resonate. It resonates with people." Linda Linda Ray says, "Body standards established by neoliberal capitalist forces. <laughs> we just don't fuck around on real talk. <laughs> like, oh, they talked about fitness today. Yeah, what'd you talk about? Did you did, did like uh, 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 squat thrusts and um, and like pec deck? No, they talked about neoliberalist uh, capitalist forces. Oh, sounds like an interesting uh, sounds like an interesting podcast." It's fascinating. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying, hey, this is all a big sell job. Me reminding people they get stuff here. They're not getting anywhere else, which is why you should smash the like button. Like Mark just pointed out. Why the hell do we have 56 likes on our YouTube right now? 56. Come on, people. Come on, people. Linda says body standards established by neoliberal capitalist forces. But, you know, BMIs or body mass index, you know, food fads, social media performances, fashion, the beauty scene. Well, when you look at Fitbits, um, or just like the type of fit, like it's Fitbit, like I'm saying, like Google, like just how you have the the step tracker, the whole idea that 10,000 steps, 10,000 steps was not established by an actual like doctor or medical field. It was by a company that was trying to sell Fitbits. So, but you're not going to regret getting 10,000 steps in. No. Okay. Yes, that's true. But I think I love, I'm, although that's like a huge, like mind blowing concept, like neoliberalism, capital, capitalism, or how she said it yeah. way more eloquently than I did. But the idea that we are sold, we are told that we are not enough, that there, that we we lack in some way. Therefore, you need this product. You need to do this thing. You need to try this service. You need to go here and do this. Yeah. Because we are inadequate. Huh. And so I love that point. I, I'm just like, oh. Love it. Our, our likes just jump by 22 in like 30 seconds, by the way. So where are the rest of you at? Just hit. What, what's wrong with I, I'll, I'm not. I'm, don't make me get down on my knees and beg. I mean, seriously. Do a squat. Do a squat. A squat. I had to I had to think twice uh, to say squat thrusts. We had this. Uh, I, uh, you know, we had we had this uh, 
boy, oh boy, do I even want to get into this? I've been talking a lot about like junior high lately. We heard from an audience member that chimed in. Yeah, we an did. audience member a while ago. I haven't heard from her literally in 20 years. I don't know what happened to her. She was I mean, I'm saying that facetiously. She's she's not on uh, Facebook. And I was just absolutely delighted when I saw her name. In our email inbox, turns out she's been digging through old shoeboxes. She's trying to find video evidence of R2LJ, the Christian rap group, the performance at the Glenmore Christian Academy Junior High School Talent Show. Ryan Jesperson, Ryan Lottermoser, and Bruce Robertson as as Blind Boy Gruff are providing the the uh, lead guitar. Um, so anyway, I, I realize I'm, I'm sort of going back in my own memory bank quite frequently here, and I won't make a habit of it, my friends. But anybody that attended our school uh, over the course of about 15 or 20 years through the 1980s to, to like, you know, the mid 2000s would know this. Ken Miller, this guy was our gym teacher, was our phys ed teacher. And this guy was next level, like next level. He grew up in some, one of the eyes. It was like you grew up in like Iowa or Idaho or I, I don't know, like one of the, you know. Or, no, actually, I think that's wrong. I think you grew up in Ohio now that I think of it. Um, he, some some like Midwest American state. And, and, and there were always rumors like. Like people were like, he grew up like in an Amish colony or he grew up like with Hutterites or he grew up like there was there was always these things that were people were trying to explain because he was just no nonsense, like zero nonsense. Uh, so we were the basketball team like, you know, you think so I'm, pl- I'm playing basketball in like the early 1990s. So you got to think like what was big? Michael Jordan with the Chicago Bulls at that time. They were starting to rock the longer shorts. Right. The L.A. Lakers. I was always a Magic Johnson guy. Uh, they were still wearing the short shorts, which worked for me because under Ken Miller's coaching under his tutelage, the GCA Royals wore the shortest shorts you ever did see. Uh, but our socks were pulled up all the way up to our knees. This was this was. Uh, am I properly using the word unironic? We were not trying to be there was this was not a hipster expression. This was not us being ironic. This was not. No, this was old school. Like th- these were the types of things. So when I think of squat thrusts, I hear it in his voice. Like this is a guy that like he trimmed his mustache with scissors and it was just meticulous. He also taught us. So you, you guys know, and I've, I've told you, I went to a private Christian school up, up until high school. So there was a course, there was a class called Christian education, and it was exactly what it sounds like. And part of that was memorizing Bible verses. And Ken Miller taught us Christian education, but but his 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 disciplines and his discipline blended together. And so, for example, you could never you could take the teacher out of phys ed, but you could never take the phys ed out of the teacher. So it'd be Christian education. And he'd be, and he'd be like, Jesperson, you know, Genesis 511 go. And I'd be like, uh, and he'd be like on the wall. And I would have to do you'd have to do wall sits. Oh, you know what I'm talking about? Wall sits. Yeah. Everybody know what wall sits are? Sam's <laughs> did I just trigger you there with mentioning wall sits? No, not trigger. I just don't like them. they're no good. They're actually great. I mean, they're great for your legs. Yes. They're great for your core. They're good. The wall sits. So if you want to gluteus get, maximus, your gluteus max. I mean, you know, there, there's a reason why. I, no, what? <laughs> but there would be like you, you would be like on the wall in Christian education class for like minutes. It's like, can I write lines? Can I do? Can I stay for detention? No, it was like you were like working out in front of the class. So when I think of squat thrusts, I hear it in his voice 30 years later. This is his legacy. I'm not complaining. You know, we won all the tournaments. I had all the medals and the trophies like it worked. But uh, 
there was a reason why when I got to high school, I just mailed it in. It's like the laziest guy in the basketball team. I was like, we can show up late and wear baggy shorts and nobody cares if I even wear socks at all. This is unbelievable. There's guys chewing tobacco over there. Like what? What is going on right now? So while people are looking for those tapes of the Christian oh my rock, gosh. if we can also look for some photos of those short shorts, just, Jespo in short shorts yeah. in junior high basketball, that would be perfect. Jillian says it would be so funny if the NBA played in those old school shorts for a week. I agree. Like that was that was a golden era. I, I know you guys will disagree because you're uh, Sarah in particular. You're huge. I'm a huge basketball fan, like massive. Like basketball was my sport growing up. I thought I was going to play in the NBA. I mean, until I had a, a real life. That's what happens when you go to public school. <laughs> All of a sudden, there's 1,700 kids. There's like a hundred of them at tryouts. And I was coming out of like sort of big fish, small pond type scenario. I was like, what are you going to do when you grow up? I'm going to play for the L.A. Lakers. Not even I'm going to play in the NBA. I'm going to play for the L.A. Lakers. And then I think it was about 10 minutes into the first tryout in high school. I did make the team, but but, but 10 minutes into the first tryout, I was like, I'm not going to the NBA. <laughs> I'm definitely not going to the NBA. But I think that was the golden era. I mean, everybody loves and celebrates the NBA. Now it's the fans league. I know that now that we're talking about it, our, our live chat will light up and people love it because the NBA is being praised and credited for being socially aware and for for driving a lot of the conversation around racism and sport. Check out our question of the week this week, by the way, RyanJesperson.com. Answer our question of the week. It talks about racism and sport. We'd love to hear from you. But for me, the, the golden era of the NBA was like like Jillian's. I mean, like who's not picturing Larry Bird, Kevin McHale, Robert Parrish, James Worthy, right? I uh, love I love Isaiah that. Thomas, Joe Dumars, Bill Lambeer. I mean, are you kidding me? In, in the short shorts and the yes. tall socks and the converse weapons and the yes. back when they could brawl like hockey players. Yeah, the Detroit Pistons. The, the bad boys. Woo! The bad boys. I mean, that was celebrated at the time. Haas says, no, please, no. Penny says she's Googling squat thrusts. I wonder what would show up if you Google squat thrust. <laughs> Greg wondering very quickly. I don't want to make this about myself. He wonders, did I go to First Alliance Church? Oh, did I? I sure did. I did go to First Alliance Church. Big community there. Our, our, our church, that, that's like a, it's like a big Texas church in Calgary. Right on the Deerfoot, it wasn't there. It was right on Glenmore Trail when I went there. That that graduated. That was the church. That was the church. I mean, it gives you some insight into my perspectives and th- if you really want to know what makes me tick, let me just say, if you want to learn a little bit more about my perspective, my upbringing, I want to make this about me. But you can check out the Edify article. Just Google Ryan Jesperson Edify. You can read all about my history and growing up and all that kind of stuff that kind of shaped where I'm at now. Um, but but that was the church where you'd look down and be like. Like significant, it, 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 it was like the. Uh, I mean, it was just like headquarters, it's like conservative. It's like Western Canadian conservative headquarters, right? You'd have the CEO of Canadian Airlines, you'd have the CEO of Canada Safeway. You know, Preston Manning would be there. You know, you'd have oh, all the time. I mean, it was it was no, it was it was. Uh, I mean, it was you know that was it was like the that, that church still is to this day. It was a it's a bastion of conservatism in in Calgary. It's not an insult. It's not a bad thing. It's just a it's just a fact. It was a fascinating church to grow up attending because that's your perspective, right? Your perspective. You you think that's the way things are when when you're raised in a certain way or in a certain community, and and then when you start to challenge those perspectives or learn or grow, and you look back, what a journey it is. This is the least profound thing I've ever said in my life. Let me mention to you that this program is not possible without our 
sponsors, without our builders. We're going to get to your emails in just a little bit. We're going to check in on our poll. But I wanted to remind you that the team at Eden Landscaping right now, th- this is like they're, they're all hands on deck right now. So, I mean, they're doing things like excavations, edible garden boxes. I mean, you can you can read all about what they're doing. You can check out the photos at landscapeedmonton.ca. They've got multiple crews going right now. I was talking to Mike just the other day. He says, you know, we spent our winter consulting with our clients. Now, people are telling us they're sort of like painting the picture of what their vision looks like now is when they're building it. I said, well, do you even have time or room for other clients, other customers? He goes, oh, yeah, buddy, we can always scale up. That's what they've been doing for more than 20 years. That's why they've got so many repeat customers. You know, they've had people, he says, three, four homes they've bought. They bring Eden with them every single time to transform every single outdoor space. Landscape Edmonton is where you can learn more about what they're doing. Sam, can you call up that photo from our friends at Grand Dog Essentials? As a matter of fact, it's not from them. They were tagged in it. I love this. This was a real talker the other day on Instagram that, that tagged me and then also included Grand Dog. What's for breakfast? They they say look at this they say this little this little furry fellow is not enjoying eating at all as a matter of fact a real challenge for the humans in the family now with the grand dog raw the quality raw food this stuff is hammered back breakfast is a is like a the blink of an eye type scenario it's the same deal in our house sarah i know it's the same deal in yours as well the quality raw food is essentially i can't say technically prescribed they're not doctors but they've got nutritionists on staff that are solving digestive issues one dog at a time i tell you that because our family's experienced it if you go to granddog.ca the promo code real talk will get you 10 percent off your first order and they deliver to your door also big shout out everybody i know gearing up for the summer we were just out on some water yesterday how good is it to get outside if you're going to be towing a new kayak maybe you're going to be pulling a boat you want to just get out into crown land you didn't get lucky enough to book those campsites but you know your family wants to experience the great outdoors what a time to check out the new jeep lineup the best selection in alberta bar none the shared inventories at st albert and sherwood dodge you can find them online by checking out the sponsors tab at ryanjesperson.com all right let's check in on this is our unofficial unscientific twitter poll this morning uh we asked you do you care about jason kenny's sky palace supper it's a photo that was pushed out by the team at the breakdown yesterday we'll show you the photo in just a second uh 994 votes we'll call it about a thousand of you have chimed in in the two hours we've had it up numbers haven't changed sarah still 83 and a half percent say it's a big deal 84 percent say it's a big deal uh, 16 and a half, 16 percent say uh, not a big deal. Um, I haven't asked you how you feel about it. I, I know that yesterday people started as soon as the photo came out. And this is a we'll want to say how much we appreciate this, that people do this. But the photo goes up and all of a sudden our hashtag starts. People, are, I can't wait to hear about this tomorrow. I know we're talking about this tomorrow. Can't wait to hear what the team at Real Talk, you know, thinks about this or feels about this or how we sort it out. When you first saw the photo, what was your first thought? Distraction. Yeah. I mean, I was I was mad and I was just like, of course. But then I was like, what are they trying to distract from? Is is I was talking to Sam about it uh, this morning, uh, just about like that's I was like, I don't mean to be cynical. I don't want to be cynical, but I feel like they're just trying to change the conversation and make us go like, hey, look over here, look over here, Uh, as opposed to the fact that there was the, the Confederation of Treaty Six Nations have dissolved the protocol agreement like Mm -hmm. that is huge 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 so to me it's just like oh par for the course 
like same shit, different pile. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why I said, and I, and, and I, I noticed that your body language, like you kind of sat up a little bit in your chair, went out of the gates today. I said, I, I frankly don't, I don't even really care. It's not that I don't care, but it's not, uh, was it Derek Fildebrandt? I think it was Derek Fildebrandt, former MLA in Alberta that said, it's not on my top 100 list or it's on, it's not on my list of 100 top priorities or something like that. It was like a, one of the quotes that kind of ended up bringing him down. I think, uh, one of them. Um, but, but, uh, it, it's, it's like to me, you know, here's the photo again, we'll just keep showing it to you so you can see. So it's, it's premier Jason Kenny, it's health minister, Tyler Shandro, environment and parks minister, uh, Jason Nixon, finance minister, Travis Taves, and the premier's chief of staff. Uh, sitting around the table and and per some other photos at some points there were other people at least one other person around the table there uh so you know they're they're obviously enjoying what has been described by the premier staff as a working dinner uh, a couple of bottles of wine on the table a bottle of jameson's iris whiskey and, and a white tablecloth like honestly who gives a fuck but i know why people care people care because they're breaking the rules that they've set people care because it's at the sky palace which again is just absolutely hilarious if you consider what the sky palace has come to represent if you consider what a liability the Sky Palace was for Allison Redford. There were like the there were the flight logs, right? Like sort of like the doctored flight logs where, you know, uh, the former premier, Premier Redford, you know, wanted to use the plane for personal purposes. She was flying her daughter around with her, which, by the way, um, I don't really have a problem with politicians. Um, I don't have a problem with um, the public picking up uh, airline tickets or, you know, allowing politicians to travel with their families. I think it's important. I think we need to make public service more accessible and more appealing to people, including how we pay them. But I digress. Uh, it was a problem for her at the time. And, and it was not because her daughter was on the flight. It's because they were lying about who was on the flight. Mm. Right. And she lost the support of her caucus. Uh, she didn't. I mean, if, if you actually talk to people that were in that progressive conservative caucus around that era, she never really had the support of that caucus. The leader was was somewhat of an up the middle type thing. I know people I, I, I know a lot of people were ready to, to appoint Gary Marr, the premier um, or Jim Dinning or whoever else. But it didn't happen. Allison Redford became that. But she lost the support of her caucus. But the Sky Palace was was really the thing. The Sky Palace was what enraged Albertans. Remember, Alberta, when you used to get enraged to the point of running politicians out of the legislature for things that the current premier and his cabinet do every single week? You remember what it used to be like 10 years ago? I sure do. So the fact that it's happening at the Sky Palace, the fact that there's a white tablecloth, it just to me, it, it reiterates what people like me have been saying for a lot of years, which is Jason Kenney is no different than any of the politicians that he regularly takes swipes at. I want you to laugh out loud every time you hear or read him or one of his issues managers or his chief of staff or his executive directors of issues management or his whoever talking about elites, media elites, corporate elites, political elites, Laurentian elites. I want you to laugh out loud. I don't want you to let anybody get away with it. You mean like the white tablecloth Irish whiskey elites dining outside breaking protocol at the Sky Palace like that kind of elite or like a different kind of elite? So I get why people are a little bit ticked off. I get why restaurateurs are ticked off. I get why people are pissed off. And so one guy wrote in and said, OK, so hang on. So if the cohort thing doesn't matter, if the maximum two household thing doesn't matter, I guess I can go hang out with my brothers and my sister now, right? People have not been doing that. And the premier's clearly been doing it. So that's why it's a problem there. I understand that. But it is not on the list of things that people need to be most upset about. And I, 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 I was about to say, I demand. It's not my position to demand. But I implore you, I encourage you to keep your focus and to keep your foot on the gas and to continue to apply pressure and to demand more 
from your elected officials, including this government. Kim wrote us a letter. She signs off another fed up Albertan. I mean, to be honest with you, the truth is that Kim wrote her MLA who happens to be sitting on that patio, Jason Nixon, and she CC'd us. So Kim knew that she should she should email Jason Nixon, her MLA. Uh, she's CC'd the premier of Alberta, the former premier, the leader of the official opposition, Rachel Notley, and real talk at a girl, Kim. She says, Minister Nixon, is that you? I see boozing it up on the roof of the Sky Palace with your buddies while the rest of your constituents and the vast majority of Albertans continue to do the right thing as we continue to do everything within our power to protect our families, friends, communities, healthcare system and livelihoods. Of course it is. What else would we expect from a government so entitled, arrogant and foolhardy as this one? You should be ashamed of yourself. The residents of Rimby, Rocky Mountain House and Sundry certainly are, but we expect nothing less at this point. That from Kim, another fed up Albertan. AJ wrote the premier as well, says no masks in the photo. I mean, like, you know, I mean, did, did anybody expect, honestly, anybody expect these guys to be wearing? Of course not. He says, you guys, he says the health minister, the environment minister and the premier are close enough to smell each other's breath unbelievable he says you're less than he says you 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 insist on keeping two meter distances masked at your pressers but you know no reason here of course to keep up that charade anymore right says unless aj says unless i'm ignorant or unaware i'm assuming everybody uh, doesn't live in the same house so you exceed the household cohorts says i I get this this is a stretch maybe But I wasn't aware that anybody in government had real life superhero powers as well, able to transport on and off of that patio without gathering indoors. I mean, obviously, of course, they're gathering, you know, this is not a surprise. I go back to Kim. This should not be a surprise to anybody. This is just further proof. Just add it to the list. Just add it to the pile. Says my tax dollars paying for you all to enjoy each other's company. Apparently, I'm not paying for the booze, but. I can't tell you how happy I am to support your salaries while you essentially flip the bird to the entire province, ignoring the rules you ask the rest of us to follow. Have the greatest summer ever, boys. That from AJ. This is probably a good time for me to let you know about my pizza. Could I could I do this? I mean, they, they haven't, they, we're not doing any advertising. This is just for charity. This is just for fun. But I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to tell you that as of yesterday and all the way through the month of June, if you happen to be in the city of Edmonton, our home city, swing on by Mercer Tavern. You can either take it to go or you can have it on their patio. Your choice, whatever makes you comfortable. Jespo's best summer ever pizza. It's shrimp, crispy bacon, pesto and feta cheese with a wedge of fresh lemon. It perfectly pairs with summer and proceeds from this pizza this month will go to pride tape and you can learn more about what they're doing online we'll talk about that more uh through this month and that's what we're doing for pride month you look you look intrigued or confused or appalled (laughs) i can't tell by the look what is that on your face your your eyes are kind of what is that on your face what is that look are you appalled are you no um i was wanting you to just clarify shrimp what size of shrimp did you hear me talking about this earlier are you trolling me you are trolling I me right now. I would never we got caught up. We got caught up in a serious debate. <laughs> this could be your next poll. Well, because I was I was talking to Chef over there, and I and I was talking to Barry, the GM, and Devin, the owner, and um and 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 they're going. Now we can have like the bigger shrimp, like the prawns, you know. So like when you when you target them on the pizza, 
you, you know, you sort of like that bite is like, wow. Right. But but I sort of thought, you know, if you go with like they, they call, what do they call them? The, the baby shrimp is what they call them. Baby shrimp, I think. I have, the, you know, the tiny little ones, you know, the ones I'm talking yeah, the about, little the, 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 the little itty bitty guys. Um, I was going to say the size of like a pencil eraser, but then that's disgusting to compare because they actually kind of look like that, too. So don't, that's a bad comparison. But I thought and, and chef over there made a great point. She said, you know, if you if you go with the baby shrimp, like every single bite is going to have shrimp. And so then I said, well, the only logical thing to do here, chef, is to have you do both and then we can try them out and see what works better and we just we elected to go with the baby shrimp so you will have a shrimp in every bite well thank you for the clarification and that just means like that just will show the best summer ever that you know every day every small morsel of your summer will be delicious that's right every small morsel Haas says shrimp is an excellent way to get cocktail sauce into my mouth Haas is Haas is like me in that Haas is either like providing scathing political commentary or absolutely pithy humorous like I've never met Haas in person, but uh, Haas has been with me through my broadcast career and and I consider Haas to be a friend. Joanne wrote in and said, um, I don't know why I got all serious about the after the I'm like, I consider Haas to be a friend because we both drink cocktail sauce from the fucking jar. Joanne says, I am deeply disappointed premier to see you and member i mean this is this is all but joanne here's the thing joanne's actually writing a serious email she put a lot of time into it she's telling the premier why this behavior is in in her words a profound disappointment like he's not reading this you know what i mean i feel bad for people like joanne i guess that's partially why we're here and that's partially why literally thousands of you i i say thank you but like oh my gosh i can't wait for this to be over thousands of you cc us on your emails to the premier right like did you you didn't know what you were getting into when you signed up for this yeah when you're like you're gonna get you'll yeah, also be getting the emails that talk like, you're gonna you're, you're gonna you're gonna want to set up a separate email folder <laughs> for just FYI. I told Charles Fresnel at the CBC that if he ever wants the keys to my inbox, he can have it. If he needs to fact check the thousands of emails, because we know that politicians will deny that the emails don't exist. And I just can't wait to just say bullshit. And uh, Charles, here's my password. And there you go. Uh, but yeah, a, a, a separate folder has has been really the only way to, to keep it organized. But but I think to that point, to the point you just made that it's important, like although you're saying the premier's probably not going to read this, it's important that they are sent it's important that 100 percent um that those emails are sent and that we're cc'd there needs to be like paper trail paper trail or email trail nicole nicole right now in live chat says i i i I cc ryan on an email at least once a week poor guy do not feel sorry for me nicole and keep them coming i am only joking uh it keeps us by the way it's like if we're gonna say i mean like all these you know media it's like big especially around ratings times in the spring in the fall when you see all the billboards and the buses and all that kind of thing and um they're all gonna say it's like we have our finger on the pulse or like money you know we're the man of the people or like whatever someone will say to, to promote their own show uh what better way to have your finger on the pulse than to be getting hundreds of emails from people uh that are that are, that are like this one from joanne deeply disappointed premier to see you and members of your caucus directly implicated undeniable once again in flagrant disregard of public health orders um, you engaged in a public meeting uh, clearly did not physical distance nor math uh, you entered obviously the outdoor space by moving through the building all prohibited under current public health orders uh, you shared food and drink um, 
She's going on about how alcohol seems like an inappropriate choice. I'm not, you know, um, it says you should be fined for these actions. It says you yourself, Premier, have said those who hold public office should be held to a higher standard. That's just an absolute joke for Jay. Anyway, this is morally unacceptable and demonstrates such arrogance and disdain for your constituents who have sacrificed so much. This is from Joanne. This public infraction continues to erode public confidence in your government's response to COVID-19. It's incredibly disheartening as someone who has religiously followed public health guidelines to see government officials, the premier and the health minister, take no thought for the rules. She says, I've missed family funerals, birthdays, Christmas, Easter, magical moments with my family and newborn over the past seven months to avoid breaking the ban on indoor gatherings. Most of our immediate family lives five hours away on the opposite end of the province. You know, we, we would have loved to gather. We've personally sacrificed so much to protect our family, our community, our province, and to see the contempt for that sacrifice on display in these photos is utterly infuriating. I wouldn't want to be on the other side of an email that Joanne writes, hey? Your plan for reopening further demonstrates the disconnect from everyday Albertans and their desires. All I've wanted this entire pandemic is an option to allow me to see and spend time with my family. My parents and siblings have all been vaccinated for about four weeks now. And somehow, over the course of those four weeks, we go from a total ban on indoor gatherings to fully reopened with no restrictions. According to your rules, it'll be safe for me to have my vaccinated parents over for breakfast. At the same time, I attend a maskless breakfast with thousands of stampede goers whose vaccine status is unknown to me. It would have been reasonable for you to include some sort of phased option for small family cohorts. Other provinces have. I could care, couldn't care less about going to the stampede. I want my kids to be able to hug their grandparents. Joanne says, I voted for you. I voted for your government because I thought you were decent, honorable people. And I actually lived in Calgary at the time, and I voted for you, Minister Shandro, in my riding. I've never been more disappointed in my elected officials than I have been during these past two years. Albertans are watching, Premier, and your entitlement is showing. That from Joanne. Gerald. I got excited for a second when Gerald's email showed up because the subject line said, Dear Sir. And I was like, ooh, Gerald. And then I realized he was talking about the Premier. (laughs) I've seen the photos of you, Premier, and some of your ministers flagrantly violating rules you've put in place. I wholeheartedly agree with the rules. I believe that you are opening up the province too quickly, but to see you violating the health orders and the rules you put in place, why do you feel like you are above your own rules, Premier? Gerald says, I think the term fall on your sword is appropriate at this point. Get out of the way and let somebody lead us who can. Nancy signs off exhausted in St. Albert. No rules broken by the premier, says the UCP. So it's cool to eat dinner, drink booze with people from a whole bunch of different households. Okie dokie. Nancy says, all I see is impaired judgment. I must be the suspicious type. I'd suggest your optics are blurry. You need new lenses. On top of that, she says, straight up liars. You expect us to be gullible enough to believe you. This is pure entitlement. Premier, can you ever go 24 hours without telling a big fat lie? Can you stay out of the national headlines 
for more than a few days when it comes to your ridiculous behavior. This is a pure embarrassment. Don't bother defending this. That from exhausted insane Albert. That's from Nancy. These are just I mean, I just you want to know the truth. I mean, I, I don't mean to insult anybody that cc'd us on emails you know what i did i went when i you, you know i showed up this morning i just printed the first four that i saw those are just the those those are just four that were just grouped together those aren't the four most scathing ones i mean we could be we could be here until we could be here all day i mean we could we uh, like the inbox is is jammed i can't even imagine what the premier's inbox looks like but again no surprise it's absolutely no surprise. So you can keep in touch with us on this. Take our Twitter poll. I'm curious to see. I don't even know why I'm checking it anymore. The numbers are the numbers have just been holding steady all morning about uh, it seems four out of five respondents, four out of five people. Yeah, I got a thousand and thirty votes right now. Eighty four percent. Now it's up to eighty four percent. People say it's a big deal. So clearly it's resonating with people. I'm not saying it's nothing. I'm just saying it's not as big of a thing as what the premier said from the lectern from the podium like an hour before he was sitting there sipping on the Irish whiskey. Right. That's the bigger deal. The bigger deal is, you know, <laughs> you know, I, I tweeted something a little cheeky yesterday, but I, I mean, it's just it's so rich having Jason Kenny talk about cancel culture. Right. I mean, that just to me. Right. Like I'm here. You're watching this show. Ryan is a thing because Jason Kenny works personally and and dedicates his team's resources to cancel culture that's why i'm here i'm thrilled don't cry for me argentina everything's coming up roses you're all here we're gathering in community they've created a monster i'm not worried about that but this guy doesn't deserve i mean again laugh out loud every time you hear these guys talking about cancel culture. They do not believe what they say. They do not adhere to what they say. They do not respect what they say. They do not believe the rules apply to them. But again, this is nothing new. So we now turn you loose to continue to raise hell, to move and shake, to be the change makers, right? And as Dr. Jody said, to walk each other home. Well, he see you here again tomorrow morning. It's going to be a great show, a Friday show. Again, you can be in touch with us using the hashtag RealTalkRJ and, of course, talk at RyanJesperson.com. I say it all the time, and I mean it every single time I say it. I love you guys. We'll see you soon.